where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning and welcome to character and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, getting ready for the weekend. TGIF to you, Michelle. Thank you, Randy, and TGIF to you as well. It's been a long week. We've really been overworked here, and that's one of the problems that you have with the management that we have is that they really do drive us into the ground. So to uh, to have a Friday and get looking forward to the weekend is really a good thing for all of us, I think. Especially a week, a weekend with some sunshine. Yeah, it's going to be great. Gonna that. It feels weird. These three-day weekends that lead into a four-day work week, today doesn't feel like Friday. It feels like a bonus it's day. Great, it's great, isn't Friday. it? It's awesome. Love it. And we hope that you enjoy your weekend as well. Here's what we have coming up on the show. Uh, we have been... Uh, unwittingly just thrown into a feud here at Hubbard Radio. And we aren't really happy about it, but we must discuss it because it's part and parcel of what's happening. And we know that you want to hear and you need to hear about what's going on as uh, two of our esteemed programs are really going at it, Michelle. It's a beef that I didn't expect, Randy. I didn't either. And it's intensified. Things have gotten really, really serious They're around close here. Close to getting out of hand. Uh, close to getting out of hand is correct. We're going to talk about that coming up at 7.15. Also talk to former Cardinal Mitchell Boggs tomorrow night, Game 6 of the 2011 World Series here on 101 ESPN. And Boggs, I believe, was in the bullpen when that freeze ball went over the fence. So we'll talk to him about that. Former MLB general manager Jim Duquette of MLB Network Radio will join us along with some blues coverage. Chris Butler, a Stanley Cup champion, and of course a Chaminade grad, and Joey Vitale with his blues booth segment coming up at 9.30. But let's start with where we are in baseball. And no surprise that Scott Boris, who for whatever reason doesn't want to take charge of the union. He, he always wants to be in charge of the union, but he never wants to seem to be the executive director. Well, he is at again and sent a letter to his 71 clients saying don't bail baseball owners out it's almost as if and scott boris is a bright guy i don't know why he has the need to be so contentious with the owners but it's almost as if he doesn't want to believe that they're going to lose money by not having fans Are you surprised that he, well, of course he wants the power, which is why he's Mm -hmm. inserting himself into this all the time. But are you surprised that he still has the clout that he does, given how many bridges he's burned and how many people have a negative connotation of Scott Boris, that he still retains this power? No, because he still has the biggest contracts in baseball. And he got the Garrett Cole deal. He got the deal for Bryce Harper last year. So 
even though a lot of players have fired him, he's still, for the guys that he has, getting a ton of money. And because he has so many players, it's a tenth of the league, virtually, that he has, he has made the Baseball Players Association a pretty formidable group. Here's Jeff Passon of ESPN. The collective position of the union right now is very strong. They believe this premise that they need to go back at Major League Baseball with an offer as equally strong as Major League Baseball's was to them. And by strong, I mean completely untenable in the long term. Like what the union goes back to MLB with is not going to get baseball back on the field. And it seems, even though the words are, oh, we all want to play, it seems like they really don't want to unless it's on their own terms. And if they are going to come back with an attempt to negotiate without negotiating, we're going to have baseball and MLB, which already is struggling to draw young viewers, will just go by the wayside. Which is heartbreaking to think about. Yeah. And the further that we get down the road with this, the further apart both parties get, the more anxiety I feel that this isn't going to get done. And I think a lot of people can see the bigger picture and understand that if this, if this doesn't get done, this is going to be so detrimental to baseball. And that's why I really don't understand. I, I understand what Scott Boris was intending to do, but his his main goal should be to get everyone on the same page so that baseball can be played. It is beneficial for both parties for baseball to be played this season. So by him drawing a line in the sand and riling up all of his players and riling up the players and saying you shouldn't bail them out and and throwing that sort of um, a perspective out out there, it's not helping anyone. It's not helping either party come to the table with transparency and honesty and get this thing done. And here's what Boris wrote in an email to his players. He wrote, "Quote: Remember." Games cannot be played without you. Players should not agree to further pay cuts to bail out the owners. Let owners take some of their record revenues and profits from the past several years and pay you the prorated salaries you agreed to accept or let them borrow against the asset values that they created from the use of those profits that players generated. He uh, also got some blowback from Trevor Bauer who said... uh, Scott Boris, rep your clients however you want to, but keep your damn personal agenda out of union business. So good for Trevor Bauer. And I I can see in a situation where there's true collective bargaining and they have an agreement that's coming up and they're negotiating about that. This is about the future of the sport. And he... Scott Boris apparently believes, and he has access to numbers, that every team has an just an unlimited amount of cash to pay their players. Clearly, that is not the case. And I think that he might, if the players do what he asks them to do, might cut off his nose in spite of his face. Probably. But I don't know. This should, I, We started this out where I was kind of on the owner side. And then I, I stood with the player mm-hmm. side when the owners came to the table with a ridiculous proposal. And... I think I can speak for a lot of people out there that now I'm just mad at baseball. I'm mad at both parties. I'm mad at everybody involved in this. I'm mad at the players. I'm mad at the owners. I'm mad at Scott Boris. I'm mad at the fact that other leagues seem to be taking step forwards while baseball is staying stagnant over money. I'm I'm angry at the egos involved. I'm, I'm just really sick of this. And I hope that they're able to come to an agreement and we can watch games on TV and hopefully forget about all of this. Hopefully this is just a, a really messy road to us actually playing games. But this is leaving a sour taste in a lot of people 
people's mouths, including my own. Right. And the the players could take the high road here and respond with a rationally thought out proposal for, to really negotiate. Say, OK, we know the owners were stupid in their proposal, but we're actually going to try to negotiate to come back with the exact same idea that you had before is pretty disingenuous because, A, you know that it's not going to be accepted by the owners, and, B, you know, if you're logical and rational, that you're alienating a lot of fans. And not only are those fans not going to be able to watch baseball, but they're going to find other things to do and other sports to follow. Again, here's Passon. At some point, as the NBA is looking to go to Disney World and as the NHL has a return-to-play plan and as the NFL is looking to open training camps, Baseball just becomes the sport that fights. And that's not the reputation that you want to have right now. So I think there, you know, the sense of urgency isn't just to get back on the field, but to rescue baseball from this fight right now that nobody really wants to hear about or nobody wants to see. They understand it. Jeff Passon says rescue baseball. Baseball can only rescue themselves. Mm -hmm. And you would think that given the state of the country and understanding how badly sports fans want to see some sort of action, that baseball would have gotten out of its own way. But it just seems like they're incapable of doing so. And everybody not only wants to get the goat of the other side, but they want to be really harsh. Yes. And that's the the sense I'm getting from baseball right now. And they're pretty tone deaf to what the rest of the country is dealing with. It, it seems like hockey and basketball and even football are getting it. But is this the way you treat the public during a pandemic when we have all this stuff going on in Minnesota? Is, is this really something that they think that we're really concerned about is their division of billions of dollars? No. Except we are talking about it, and we, we are concerned about it. We're, we're talking about it because we're mad. And it's here's what's going to happen. The people that have discretionary income to spend, this happened after the 1994 lockout or the strike. They didn't come back. And people, I, I would think, especially because the economy has been hit so hard and so many people have lost jobs, whatever discretionary income people have... Is not going to be contributed to baseball because of the way they've treated their customers. And Scott Bohr says games cannot be played without you. Well, games can also not be executed without owners. And more importantly, a sport cannot exist without fan support. And so if if you are taking the position of I am the most important piece of this puzzle, that's short-sighted because all of the pieces are important in different ways. And by you alienating the owners, well, they, they have to be involved in this too. They're also very, they're writing the checks. This is a very right. important part of the puzzle. And the fans are too. We talk about all the other leagues coming back. What about the people that were, uninterested in baseball anyway, but that would show up to a game and be watching something on their phone. We, mm-hmm. we talked about, you're not just battling against the other sports and the lack of interest in your own sports, you're battling against this buffet of entertainment that people have at their fingertips every second of every day. Yeah, and there are going to be, like you said, not only options for people with other sports and going to other entertainment and utilizing other entertainment venues, but if Scott Boris would have been an agent in the 60s, and written that same letter to his clients, Stan Musial, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Sandy Koufax, Don Drysdale, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock. Said the game can't be played without you. Well, here we are in 2020, and the game is being played without those guys. All the players are replaceable. They, they all have to be at some point. So 
he needs to understand that his players only have now. They they have their career now. They aren't going to be around forever. And the owners, you know what? They are. Bill DeWitt III is going to take over for Bill DeWitt Jr., and he's going to be around. Yeah. And uh, baseball, what's one, one of the things that we talk about that's lacking in baseball is major star power. So mm-hmm. while we certainly want to see the Mike Trouts of the world out there playing, people are cheering for laundry more than they're cheering for star players these days. It's, it's not right. the baseball that I grew up watching in the 90s with Ken Griffey Jr. There's, there's no one singular player that I think is appointment television. I tune in to watch teams compete, and I most importantly tune in to watch the St. Louis Cardinals compete. Mm-hmm. And regardless of the carousel of players that's wearing that uniform, I'm tuning in to watch the uniform. And I think that that's something that, that these players aren't realizing either is, okay, if you don't want to play, that's your right. You have the freedom of choice to not play. This is a very uncomfortable and difficult situation. But know that somebody else is going to take your spot. There's going, to, there's a lot of minor league baseball players without jobs right now. There's a lot of people that would die for the opportunity to to go out there and play in front of America during these times. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. And at our core, we, we try to be nice people. We try to be conciliatory. We kind of consider ourselves the Switzerland of Hubbard Radio. And for whatever reason, our own teammates appear to have not recognized that. And there's things happening. There's things going down at Hubbard Radio. <laughs> We're going to talk about them next on 101 ESPN. There's a song from the late 60s by Buffalo Springfield called For What It's Worth. And within the lyrics, there's this verse. There's battle lines being drawn. And nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Young people speaking their minds are getting so much resistance from behind. It's time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. And that's happening. It's happening (laughs) here at Hubbard Radio. Mm -hmm. We have... What is approaching blood feud status between my old show and my friends? My old show, too. Yeah, the fast lane and team hashtag team morning here at Hubbard Radio, the Riz Show on 1057 The Point. And Michelle, it's kind of getting out of hand. It's getting out of hand in a way I didn't anticipate or expect, Randy. It's getting personal at this point. And the fact that it would get personal with. My friends, because Anthony Stalter, like you, a former producer of the Fast Lane, and I tried to help him along in the industry. Brad Thompson, you know, I tried to bring him into the industry. Chris Ranji, I, I felt like I had, I, I was kind of the person that had a good relationship with Chris Ranji, and oh, you were the one, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. the, those guys have, they've kind of turned on me just because I'm trying to be Switzerland. I'm, I'm trying to not pick sides. And those guys are being really, really vicious at this point. I believe the term that they used was turning on them. What I'm seeing is us being nice to everybody. Right. Both morning shows. Mm -hmm. And both morning shows turning on us. You know what? F*** that and f*** your f***ing company. That's exactly what he should have said. Had Randy started with that when the Riz show was looking for some smoke, Mm -hmm. we'd have had no problems. Okay. Now we got problems, I guess. I don't know why he thinks we got problems. Hey, I, I was saying that to defend the fast lane. When I said that, I, I was trying to be 
again, nice and conciliatory, but those guys just don't appear to want to be nice and conciliatory to others, Michelle. Randy, you know when sometimes you get caught in the heat of the moment, someone says something to you, and no matter what they say, you're going to take it and receive it however you're going to receive it in your brain. I think that might be what happened with the fast lane yesterday, because I had asked you if you were glad that you got away from the fast lane, not because you wanted to leave me and Ranji and BT, but because had you not left the fast lane, you would be embroiled in this beef with the Risha, but it doesn't seem that they took it that way. Michelle asked Randy if he was glad that he got away from the fast lane when he did. That's a big mistake on the part of the fast lane. I understand that they have a former pro athlete, and I understand that Anthony Stalter is a, a really great athlete. And and Ranji's there, too. Yeah, and, and but Brad Barnes is sneaky <laughs> athletic, too. And by the way, it seems like Jamie Rivers has kind of tried to worm his way into being on the fast lane team. Mm-hmm. That being said, when you look at what the punishment is that Rizzuto show members inflict upon themselves, the mental toughness that they possess down the hall at 105.7 point. I feel for our fast lane guys. I think that they might have bitten off a little bit more than they they can chew in this one. Chew these, Randy. Yeah. Chew these. First things first, I'm going to throw Michelle in the river after what she said about us. Well, then she's she'll find her way back to shore, won't she? Oh, no, she like no, no, no. she she threw in Ronge at yeah, the end. Yeah, she now. really crapped on me. That's our teammate in a very subtle way. I and I had thought we were teammates. <laughs> I'm trying to be. I'll let you go first, Randy. I, I'm trying to be the middle ground guy. I talked about how great and athletic they were, didn't I? Didn't I talk about how fantastic? I, and I didn't even take a shot at Ronji. I said he was there too. Yeah, which is not taking a shot. He's he's part of their team. Yeah. I might have suggested a little bit that rather than being invited, Jamie Rivers did kind of invite himself onto their team. But I'm just making the point that as great and athletic as they are, when you go in public and you get tattoos placed on your body, you are mentally tough. You really are. And uh, I would like to address what Ranji said about throwing me in the river. Physical violence, threats of physical violence. This is where it's gotten here between our team members here at 101 ESPN. And I know those are empty threats because we know Chris Ranji is not going to violate social distancing guidelines. He is not going to get close enough to where he could touch me and or throw me in the river. <laughs> we know that, that is, <laughs> that's definitely the case. But what we were just trying to articulate yesterday, and maybe now that we have this second opportunity to really just hammer out what we wanted to say... I know that the fast lane is tough. I know that they have the athletic skill, and I know that they are mentally tough. But what we're trying to get at with the Rizzuto show is when you make a bet, and the consequence of that bet is that you're going to have to get nipple tattoos live in front of a major audience of your listeners, that is the the sort of mental toughness, mental fortitude that I do not have. I I could never go there. I would back out. I would chicken out. I would say, you know what? You guys can make fun of me from today until the the last day of my life. I'm not going to do this. They are the type of people that go blackout crazy and they're just going to go there. Whatever it takes to win, they're going to go there. And that is something that frightens me and frankly should frighten the fast lane. Well, Michelle, I can tell you this. Having covered Brad Thompson's career, He's a guy that, with a hangnail, could not perform. Mm. He's a guy that, if he has a couple of sniffles, is going to take a day off. I'm a guy that spent three 
hours and 45 minutes getting a tattoo, doing a live radio show. I'm a guy that had quadruple bypass surgery and missed 17 days and came back. So I understand the level of toughness that the guys at the Riz show are displaying on a regular basis. As a member of the fast lane, I will tell you that even with the addition of Anthony Stalter, I think the word soft applies. You went there, Randy. You went there. Yeah. Well, is there any other word for Ranji? I mean, stay puffed. Come on. Uh, look at Brad Barnes. I, I mean, just, he's like the Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> Thompson, hangnail. I mean, Jamie Rivers. Tough guy, obviously, played hockey, one of the toughest guys in the world. But as a group, as a conglomerate, I think that there is really only one word that really clearly defines that group of people, and that is S-O-F-T. And the fast lane really shouldn't be angry with us, Randy. We're just doing our jobs. This is what we do. We get paid to evaluate and give analysis on competitions. And in the lack of sports, this is the biggest competition we have going. So what are we doing? We are just pointing out the strengths and weaknesses of each side. And we are giving our assessment and we're making our picks. This is what we're doing for a living right now. But I will say this, Randy. Brad Thompson is the wild card in all of this. He's got not only the athletic skill, we know this, mm -hmm. he's a professional athlete, but he mental toughness, Brad Thompson has rage blackouts. Yes, he does. We talk, the, the Riz Show will get the nipple tattoos. They will go to the depths of what needs to be done. Brad won't even remember that he went to the depths because he blacked out and somehow got there. He will just arrive at the finish line. Mm -hmm. He said something yesterday that made me believe he might LeBron this group, you know, like LeBron carry the entire team on his back to the, to the finals, to the championship. Can I go back to something that they said as well there? And it was in regards to the punishment and the dedication to the craft that the Riz Show has. And there is no way around it. They are dedicated. They are prepared. They are ready from a radio standpoint. And, and general human beings outside of this week, fantastic. Fantastic group. But when it comes to punishment... The, the thought that we wouldn't be able to hold up to punishment is crazy. And anybody that worries about punishment is already thinking about losing. That's Good right. Don't worry about that. Don't right. worry about punishment. Or nipple tattoo. I like a nipple tattoo. You know why? Like losing. Lose. They're going to lose. Exactly. I get it. That's champion's mentality right there. It is. And I'm sure that the San Jose Sharks felt the exact same way coming into the series against the Blues last year. And the San Jose Sharks, hey, they're glitzy, they're glamorous, they've got great skaters, they've got Carlson and Burns, but what happened to them at the end of the series? They were broken. And that's what mental toughness does. It breaks the opposition. So taking nothing away from the spectacular physical abilities of the fast lane, I'm just talking about what I, I'm being real here, Michelle, just talking about what I see. I I see a really tough group down the hall. And at the end of the day, because we don't have to see the fast lane guys. That's true. Team morning. Always. And I'm Italian, Randy. Loyalty means a lot to me. So I did not appreciate the notion that we were traitors because we weren't siding with our 101 ESPN teammates. We're Team Hubbard here. We are. We're Team Hubbard Radio. We're all under the same umbrella. So while I love and appreciate every one of my teammates here at 101 ESPN, I also feel the same way about my teammates at Casey and at the point and all the way down the hall. Everyone in this building is my teammate. Yeah, that's one of the issues. And that's something that 
especially once Ranji arrived, it became, hey, either you're with us or you're against us. And that's just the way he rolls. And ultimately, that will come back to bite him. And I don't know when. I don't know how it's going to manifest itself. But at some point, something bad's happening. And we will be there front row we'll cover when this it. goes down. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this, this is their thing. It's Riz against the Riz show against the fast lane. And we're reporting. We're Switzerland. We are totally, completely without a rooting interest in this battle or fight or war or whatever it is. But when the fast lane's calling us out publicly on these airwaves and then the Rizzuto show is sending us tweets saying, we love you, we love you. I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to maintain this neutrality. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And this is Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and find out what Mitchell Boggs was doing. Was he getting ready for more extra innings when David Freeze hit that home run? That's next on 101 ESPN. Freeze leading it off. Crowd in a frenzy. 3-2, a swing and a high fly ball. Center field. It is gone! David Freeze, who tied it in the ninth, wins it in the 11th. And one of the most remarkable, improbable baseball games you will ever see. Dan Schulman, and you will hear that call tomorrow night at 7 here on 101 ESPN. Cards and Rangers, Game 6 from the 2011 World Series with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker, and we head now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And a gentleman who has a World Series ring from that 2011 team is reliever Mitchell Boggs. And, Mitchell, thanks so much for joining us this morning. How are you doing? Doing well, guys. I appreciate you having me. It was fun to hear that, that clip bringing you guys in. It brings back a lot of memories. It's always great to hear. Hey, how have you handled, before we get to the baseball and our memories and reminiscing about that game and that season, uh, how are you handling quarantining and all of that stuff? I'll tell you what, it's been crazy. Um, I know you guys are you know, hosting a sports radio show. I can't imagine how tough that has been, but um, I'm in the private business sector now back in Dalton, Georgia, and um, you know, we have we have tried to to push through this thing as safely as we possibly can, and make sure all of our people who work for our companies are are, uh, are getting the time that they need. But um, you know, it is it has been a crazy time. I know my wife. Um, we've got a five year old and a nine month old at home, so she's got she's got a tremendous amount of respect now for for elementary school teachers. I know that. Without a doubt. Mitchell, you heard the the call of David Freeze's home run in Game 6, and we, we want to talk to you just about that run, that stretch run in 2011, because when you rewind a couple months prior to that game, so many things happened in that summer leading up to the inevitable World Series. So I want to roll it back all the way to when John Mozalak moved Colby Rasmus and secured some help for the bullpen. He brought in Mark Zepchinski, Octavio Dotel, and Edwin Jackson. What was the reaction internally when Mo went out and made that big trade well i think it was basically a message to our team that um you know we've got we've got a great ball club but but things aren't aren't sparking right now and um i think when we went out at that deadline and and brought in some some new energy some new blood some new faces it really sent a message that guys we're doing everything we can for you uh we're going out and getting the pieces that we think we need um, and we need to we need to go out on the field and get the job done. I think it sent a message message to our clubhouse that um, you know we're we're halfway through this thing. We still have a shot. 
Uh, we're going to put a club out there every night that's going to give us a chance to win. And, um, you know, you saw what happened a few months later. But it was a bold move at the break, there's no doubt. Uh, it definitely paid off. And a lot of those guys were, were massive parts of helping bring that championship to St. Louis. Mitchell, speaking of sending a message, one of the things that people always talk about as something that helped turn the tide with you guys was when, I believe you were 10 and a half games out, and Chris Carpenter gave a speech to the team about the mentality that the team needed to have moving forward. Can you take Randy and I and our listeners back to that moment and share with us what was said in that speech and, and the tone that it struck? Yeah, if I remember correctly, it was at the beginning of September, we're you know, 10 and a half games out, and Kind of the message to the team that, that Carp gave, which was, was outstanding, was, listen, guys, you know, we can't control what the teams in front of us do. Um, all we can do is go out there for this last month and be the best club that we can possibly be night in and night out. And if we do that, uh, we can we can be okay with that if, if it comes up short. But we at least got to give ourselves the opportunity to get back in the mix. And the only way we're going to do that is to play our best baseball of the season and um, we kind of decided and, and took the mentality of let's try to win every single game that we can. Let's play our best baseball for the last month, and let's see where it puts us. Uh, we can't control what the other guys in front of us are doing, but if we play well enough, maybe we'll have a shot. And, uh, you know, it came down to the last night of the season. Uh, Carp goes out there and, and spends a complete game in Houston that was incredible, and uh, we were able to get our foot in the door, and once that happened, we knew that, that we were going to be as dangerous as anybody in that playoff. Former Cardinal reliever Mitchell Boggs with us here in, on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And Mitchell, one other thing about that stretch run, and specifically about that, that meeting at Carp's house, and, and I think it's easier for veteran players that have been around this organization for a while to... See what's going on and respect that the fans are there. I think it's if you're playing in Pittsburgh and you're out of the race in September, it's easy just to go to the park and just have the game play out. But there, there was an edge to that team that was brought obviously by Tony and Albert and and Chris Carpenter, and I would have to believe that that permeated to the young players and the new players too. There's no doubt. I mean, it permeates all the way through the system. I mean, you come up through the minor leagues knowing that. If you're going to get to St. Louis and, and you're going to play in St. Louis and you're going to be a part of that organization at the highest level, there's an expectation of, of competitiveness. There's, there's an expectation of, of excellence. And I think we realized throughout that year that we weren't necessarily meeting that expectation when you looked at the pieces that we had on that club. And I think that there was an understanding going into the, to the last month of the season that, you know, there was still time on the clock. There were still some games to play. And there was still an opportunity for us to, to be what we were expected to be. And um, September and October, we really we played our best baseball of the entire year. And, and that's what our fan base deserved at that time. That's what they deserve now. And that's what they'll deserve as long as the Cardinals play baseball in St. Louis. And, um just very proud to have been a part of that club, proud to, to have that experience, and, and proud to have done that in St. Louis for sure. Mitchell, when we welcomed you into the show, we played the call of David Freeze's, you know, walk-off home run, game six. It's one of those legendary St. Louis Cardinals moments. Everybody remembers where they were when he hit that ball. So take us back and describe to us where you were and what you remember from that moment. 
Well, I was, I was down in the bullpen, had actually warmed up a couple of times early in that game. Um, but when you get to that stage of it, you just kind of hang on and, and let's see what happens. Um, I can remember in the ninth inning, Tony calling down with two outs and telling Derek Lilquist, our bullpen coach, that if they did get the last out and the Rangers won that baseball game, that he wanted to make sure that everybody in the bullpen and everybody in the dugout stayed on the field so that we could recognize our fan base and how special they were. David steps up right there in that spot and ties the game. And I think you could just kind of feel he was he was playing incredible during that time. And uh, Lance Bartman had a couple of big hits late in that game. But I think you could kind of feel in that 11th inning when he got back up there, something special could happen. I you know, didn't expect him to blast one to center field, but you know, expected him to do something. And so uh, when he when he did what he did, I don't I don't think any of us were surprised. Um, I think we were all just ecstatic. And for him to do what he did in his hometown, playing for his his favorite team, it was incredible. It's certainly certainly one of the coolest things that, that I've ever been a part of. I had never heard that story about Tony calling down, and that says a lot about him in the most tense situations to be thinking about taking care of the crowd and making sure that they were recognized. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and that, that permeated throughout throughout our organization. There's there's always a, a tremendous amount of respect when you put on that jersey. You understand that, that you represent something special. I mean, baseball in St. Louis and the Cardinals is is unrivaled by anywhere I've ever been. I always compare it to, to college football. Um, in the SEC, it's it's a passion. It's part of people's lives, and you know when when people night in and night out make a, a sacrifice and take of their time and their money to to support your team, uh, you, you have to recognize that. And I think that was just Tony sending a message to us, saying, you know, these people these people love this team. They love you. Make sure that you show that you love them back. And, and we did. Thankfully, we didn't. Thankfully, we didn't have to come out there and do that. We were able to, to hold that trophy up the next night. I think they probably uh, probably enjoyed that a little bit more. But there, there's definitely a, an incredible respect um, for, for Cardinal Nation from anybody that puts that jersey on. Hey, Mitchell, I want to go back to the night after you guys win that game. I think Cardinal fans didn't sleep that night. And Michelle had, she lined up David Freeze to be on the morning here on 101 ESPN. He hadn't slept that night. Do you remember, were you just so jazzed that you couldn't sleep? Or were you able to get some, some rest that night? I, I probably got a little bit of rest. It probably wasn't, wasn't the best. But uh, I, I do remember when we came back in the clubhouse after that game, everybody was just, you know, if we could go play right now. Um, you know, this thing would be a bloodbath. Um, it was, there was so much energy. And, but that's, you know, the game of baseball, you got to come back and do it the next night. And anything can happen in a nine inning baseball game. Uh, we were able to come back in game seven and, and really play well, seal the deal and, and cap off the magic of game six and, and be a part of one of the best World Series that's ever been played. I mean, it was special, but the energy ran high that entire series there were a lot of great games played and uh, being able to play six and seven in st louis was was a huge huge momentum builder for us and i think we all kind of felt like you know if we didn't take advantage of what happened in game six it would be a tremendous letdown um and fortunately we were able to capitalize 
we kind of felt here in St. Louis, a lot of the fans after the way game six ended, a lot of people, I think, woke up that next day and said, there's no way the Cardinals are going to lose game seven. It's just not going to happen. This is a team of destiny. This is written in the stars. Did you guys feel that at all? Or heading into game seven, were you saying, okay, you know, this is still a good opponent that we have and there's a chance they could win this baseball game. Was it more, okay, we feel comfortable knowing that we can win this game or, hey, this is still all business? You know, I, I think we had the leadership on our team. When you're talking about Albert and, and Carp and Yachty and Lance Burtman, those guys, I think we had the type of leadership that wouldn't let us get too high or too low. We, we just kind of understood that um, you show up and, and you play the game and you do things right and you're going to have a chance to win, and that's all you can ask for. And, and Tony was a tremendous factor in making sure that everybody – understood the moment, didn't let it get too big, just go out there and take advantage of it and, and, and do what you can and, and bring this thing home. So I, I, I felt like we were in a tremendous spot heading into game seven. I think we were all um, understanding that we had put ourselves in a spot that we had wanted to be in. On September 1st, I think if you'd asked every guy in our clubhouse, would you take a game seven to win the World Series? I think we'd all been pretty good with it and um, it, it certainly was a was a special special thing to be a part of. Mitchell Boggs, before we let you go, what's your read on what's happening with baseball now as we try to get that sport to recover from the pandemic and try to get guys back on the field? Yeah, it, it's tough. Uh, you know, baseball is a business, and and unlike or, or just like many businesses across our country right now, tough tough decisions are having to be made. It's not an environment that anybody wants to be in. I, I don't think the Players Association, uh, you know, enjoys this. The owners don't enjoy this. But there's negotiations to be made. And, um, you know, I think the Players Association will do what is right for its players like it always has. I don't think that they'll make this thing crazy. I don't think they'll be, um, you know, hard to deal with as long as this thing is fair. At some point, you got to meet in the middle and do what's right for the game of baseball. Uh, but I don't expect the players to roll over. I hope they don't. But at the same time, I hope there's baseball this summer because it would be tremendous for our country. No doubt. Mitchell Boggs, great to hear your voice. Great to hear you reminisce about Game 6 and uh, the, the stretch run of that season. It was so much fun for us, and we appreciated you taking some time with us. Yeah, guys, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I hope, hope everybody's doing well. You bet. Take care. That is right. Mitchell Boggs with us on 101 ESPN. Great stuff. Next up, we'll have a quick Tioli. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And Freeze Pops has take it or leave it for us. Take it away, my man. All right. Amusement parks in Japan are preparing to open back up, and one of the guidelines being put in place by the government is urging people to refrain from shouting or screaming as this is an attempt to limit the spread of germs. If you can't scream on a roller coaster, you might as well keep amusement parks closed. Take it or leave it. I'm going to say... As a species, I'm going to have to take that. I don't scream, 
on roller coasters. Really? Oh, no, I don't. I'm, I'm quiet on roller coasters. I'm focused on being scared. <laughs> so I would say that for me personally, that wouldn't be an issue. As a matter of fact, I think my teeth are clenched and there's no germs coming out. But... In general, you hear a lot of screaming on roller coasters, so I would say that that is absolutely the case, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take it, just because I don't think that's something that a lot of people can control. No. I don't get on a roller coaster saying, I'm going to scream my lungs out. It happens when I'm being flipped upside down and dropping Mm -hmm. at dramatic speeds. You just naturally scream. So I don't know how the owners or organizers of these amusement parks think that that's not something that's going to happen. Yeah, roll the dice and have everybody on the roller coaster wear a mask. Yeah, there you go. You're fine. A D.C.-based brewery has created a new beer to troll the Houston Astros called Trash Can Banger. And the cans are decorated like the retro Astro uniforms. They look pretty nice. D.C. fans, you won the title. You have no reason to troll Houston. Stop kicking the fans while they're down. Take it or leave it. I'm going to have to leave this, Michelle. With all due respect to uh, that Teoli, if you... Think of a great reason to troll the cheating Houston Astros. You troll them. It doesn't matter where you are. Mm-hmm. So I would absolutely say that it doesn't matter if you're in D.C., if you're in St. Louis. If you can just take a shot, just jab the Astros for cheating, do it. I'm leaving it because even though D.C. fans, they won the title, they're still baseball fans. And all baseball fans were offended and disrespected by the Houston Astros, not only their actions and cheating and what they did to other players and what they did to the game, but their arrogance and their oblivious nature of how wrong they were when they were busted. When they came out and started talking smack and doubling down, that was so offensive to a lot of baseball fans. So I don't care if you have hoisted the World Series trophy or not. I think D.C. fans, just like any other fans in baseball, have the right to troll the Houston Astros. And one of the, yes, it's a bummer that we don't have baseball right now, but I was very much looking for forward to the Houston Astros going on their shame tour and getting booed and having trash cans being banged at ballparks. And I'm bummed that that's not going to happen. So I think this is the least that baseball fans can do. Agreed. ESPN has a great feature up right now on Hall of Famer Andre Dawson running a funeral home in Miami. And I know a lot of people probably wouldn't want to work in that business because of their belief in ghosts. Ghosts are real. Take it or leave it. I'm going to take it. Randy, I believe in the supernatural. There's some things that happen that are too creepy and odd that you can't explain away for any other reason other than ghosts. There are haunted hotels. We have the Lemp Mansion here in St. Louis. Totally haunted. So I believe in ghosts. Would it preclude me from working at a funeral home? No, there are other things like dead bodies that would preclude me from working at a funeral (laughs) home. But probably not the ghosts. Is there an amount of money out there? Well, I guess, yes, there's always, everything always has a price, but there's few things on earth that you couldn't really pay me to do, and being in a funeral home amongst dead bodies all the time is definitely one of them. Now, one thing about this particular question is that, you know, ghosts are real, take it or leave it. We actually have one in the Afternoon Drive show. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Casper, the friendly ghost. Working the among us. Ghost you know, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins told ESPN that he believes he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. 
And he says guys like Michael Thomas and Julio Jones have benefited from having Pro Bowl quarterbacks. Does he forget about Deshaun Watson? Yeah. Anyways, Houston was holding Hopkins back, and this season will show that he truly is the best wide receiver in the league. Take it or leave it. I'm going to leave it because he had already shown that. He was the highest rated wide receiver on Madden. He had zero drops. And zero drops in the 2018 season. He had over 100 catches. And everything that was thrown within his catch radius was caught. And I think in 2019, he had something like three drop passes. So with Antonio Brown not playing anymore, I'll do respect to guys like Julio Jones and Odell Beckham Jr. and Michael Thomas. All great. And sure, those guys have benefited from Pro Bowl quarterbacks. Doesn't matter if DeAndre Hopkins is on those teams. He's better than those guys. I'm going to leave it as well because wasn't that part of the outrage when Houston moved him to Arizona? Everyone said, what are you doing? You're giving away the best wide receiver in the league. That was the general outcry from NFL fans when that happened. And while I do think he may have been held back a little in Houston because of perhaps our scheme or Bill O'Brien, whatever it may be, and we might see him explode on a different level now that he's in Arizona under Cliff Kingsbury and, and with Kyler Murray, I don't think anyone didn't put already put him in that category. No, he's sensational. As a matter of fact, he was the he was picked in the twenties, I think maybe the twenty sixth pick in the two thousand fourteen draft. Remember the Rams traded up to get Tavon at eight and DeAndre Hopkins in the same draft was picked in the twenties. Oof. That's your St. Louis Rams. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Thanks for these pops. Did you have Thanks to do guys that on Friday, Randy. It's a feel good Friday, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just well they aren't here anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And one of the reasons that they didn't want to draft good receivers is because they didn't want to be good. Yeah, they, they were trying to lose. Yeah. So that is Tioli. Thanks for your text, 65780. Actually, our text machine is, oh, it's back. It's Hold, back? I, I think it is. Hold on. I'm pressing the button here using uh-huh. my computer and the text machine. Waiting, waiting, waiting. I will tell you if it's back. But if you, oh, here, it's back. The text machine yes. is working. We're so back. If you want to participate in the fight, do we do we have a fighter yet, Freeze Pops? We don't because the text line was down. There you go. Well, now it's back. So if you want to participate in the fight, text the word fight to 65780. Next up, we're going to head back to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and. Former MLB GM Jim Duquette of MLB Network Radio will join us next on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.